Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, The Way. The Bible teaches that God's people will walk in the way of blessing and life, while those who reject God's instruction and rule will walk in the way of destruction and death. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's Word in your life today. Today we're going to start uh, what's going to turn into a little mini-series called The Way. I was originally just going to be doing one or two teachings on Psalm 1 and 2, but uh, this week, Linda and I were, uh, we, we took two days to go off and camp, and as I was sitting around in the woods and around the campfire and meditating on Psalm 1 and 2, I decided to expand it out just a little bit, and we're going to do, uh, probably end up being like four weeks, or maybe even a fifth week, where we're going to just kind of do a slow meditation through Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 and looking at uh, what the scripture refers to as the way. So today we're going to begin by looking at Psalm 1. We're going to be looking as an introduction at the two ways. But there are actually two ways up there. We're called to walk in the way, but there are two, as we'll see in Psalm 1. So here uh, we're going to look at Psalm 1, all six verses. Hear now the word of the living God. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. May God bless his holy word. Um, over the past year or two, one of the most popular shows that has come out is a TV show that Disney has put out as part of the Star Wars franchise that's known as The Mandalorian. And it's really kind of captured the popular imagination first off. Even if you haven't seen the show, you may have seen pictures of a baby Yoda that became kind of all the rage. Uh, but then there's a particular saying that's become very popular. The, the Mandalorian is a mysterious masked warrior. You don't even see his face through most of the first two seasons. Um, and he comes from this whole group of uh, individuals that are known as the Mandalores. And they live by a creed. And he very often in the show seems to be working against great odds. He's greatly outnumbered. But I learned really quickly when I watched it, we were in the first episode, and I told Linda, this is a guy not to be trifled with. Because people who mess with him and think they can stand up to him, it very rarely ends well for them. But the Mandalorian, he goes through, and sometimes he's even willing to put his life in incredible danger to do what he thinks is right. And he is regularly asked in the show either why he won't do something or why he continues down this path that seems to just keep bringing him into trouble. And his response is, this is the way. This is a creed that to be a Mandalorian, there is a way. And therefore, because I am a Mandalore, I live by the way. I live by this creed, and whatever difficulties that might bring my way, 
I'm going to live by it. Now, one of the things that's interesting to me is if you just Google this is the way, you know, in Mandalorian, you're going to find all kinds of T-shirts with it and posters that people make because America loves to look at a guy like that and say, wow, that's impressive. Yes, this is the way. I don't want to do that in my own personal life, but I like to watch a guy do it on a TV show and think that I might be like that. So it's a hugely popular thing, but make no mistake, there's a real cost to him saying, this is the way, and I'm going to walk in it. And the interesting thing is, the Bible actually spoke about the way long before the Mandalorian. And in fact, we're going to see a Bible verse later on today where Isaiah, the prophet, prophesied 700 years before Christ, this is the way, walk in it long before the Mandalorian. So what we're going to do is we're going to just take a few weeks to slowly meditate on Psalm 1 and 2, and we're going to look at, at the way and how we walk in it. Now, let me point out just by way of introduction that part of why we're doing this, you may say, why Psalm 1 and 2? Well, actually, Psalm 1 and 2 do speak of two ways, and in particular are meant to encourage us about the way, and they are really meant to be read as a unit. They are actually an introduction to the entire book of Psalms. There are some who think at one point they may have even been one psalm, but they certainly are meant to be read as a unit, and they are clearly speaking, both of them kind of from two different angles, it, regarding these two ways that are before us and encouraging us to walk in the way. I'm going to actually, if you listen to After Hours on Tuesday, I'll kind of back up what I just said, that these two are actually meant to be an introduction to the entire book of Psalms. They were clearly uh, meant to be a preface to tell you this is how you ought to read the whole book of Psalms, and in essence, really how we ought to read the Scripture. So you can uh, take a look at that, and what we're going to do is we're going to do that. We're not going to then move into the rest of the Psalms. We'll actually be moving into the book of Daniel uh, after we finish the series, but we're going to take just a couple of weeks to slowly meditate. Now, we begin today by noting that there are two ways. There are two ways that lie open before humans. And notice here in Psalm 1 and 2, we see these two ways. Psalm 1-6 concludes with a very clear statement of the two ways. It says, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So there's two ways. There's the way of the righteous, and there is the way of the wicked. And this psalm is contrasting the righteous and the wicked, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Now, why I say that, notice if you just look at verses 5 and 6, it brings up in a, a chiastic fashion, and I'm sorry if this is a little bit hard to read. I wasn't sure how these colors are going to show up. I'll fix that by this week. Um, but notice it says, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor centers in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will not perish. So notice it's wicked, righteous, righteous, wicked. They love doing this chiastic structure. And the psalm is saying there's these two paths that you can walk in this life. It also refers to it as the way of blessing and the way of perishing. Notice in Psalm 1, I'm going to come back to this, it begins, the very first word is the, the Hebrew word ashray, which means blessed. It's the first word of the psalm. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. 
And the psalm ends with the phrase, but the way of the wicked will perish. The first word of the psalm is blessing. The last word of the psalm is perishing. And we're told in verse 6 that the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. See, there is no greater blessing than to know that God is watching over your way as opposed to your way being left to perish. And so this psalm is giving us this description of the blessed life versus the perishing life. The blessed life versus the cursed life, if you will, which occupies the heart of the psalm. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. And it's not only central in Psalm 1, it's also central in Psalm 2. As you move through Psalm 2, it's describing it in a little bit different way. Psalm 1 is about our relationship with the Word of God. Psalm 2 is about our relationship with the King, uh, God's King who is on the throne. But Psalm 2 ends with this statement. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For His wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. So notice how Psalm 2 ends where Psalm 1 began. Psalm 1 begins by saying, here's what the blessed man is. Psalm 2 ends by saying, here's what it is to be the blessed person. Psalm uh, 2 also has where it says, you'll be destroyed in your way. The NIV is translated, that word is destroyed. It's the exact same word, perish, that the way of the wicked will perish from Psalm, uh, Psalm 1-6. So Psalm 2 is ending up and saying, what I told you in Psalm 1 is the same message that is being preached here. You can either be destroyed in your way or you can be blessed in your way. And the psalm is telling you these two ways lie before you. This is the most important thing in life. Think about these two ways. And it's not just in the Scripture. The, the entire book of Psalms is actually referred to many times. Luther referred to it as the Bible in miniature. It's a little Bible. Uh, all the doctrines of Scripture are contained there in the book of Psalms. But we can find this idea of the two ways that lie before us and us being told to carefully think through this throughout Scripture. For example, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, you can see in Deuteronomy chapter 30, which is a summary of the whole Torah. Moses is giving his final call to Israel. And uh, he says this, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Moses is saying, there's two ways. There's two paths. Make no mistake. Choose the right path. Uh, you can move on. The book of Proverbs, actually, the, all the wisdom literature is really about the way. When I taught a series on the wisdom literature a long time ago, it was actually called The Way of Wisdom because the, the main metaphor in the wisdom literature is the two ways, the two paths that one can walk. Just one verse you can see this in is Proverbs 15, 9. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. So notice here, it's the same phrase basically as in Psalm 1. The way of the wicked is detested by the Lord and therefore it's going to what? It's going to perish. And the parallel phrase is, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. But make no mistake, there's a contrast here. 
To pursue righteousness is to not walk in the way of the wicked. It's rather to walk in the way of the righteous. God loves that way. He watches over that way just as we see in the Psalms. And again, throughout the uh, book of Proverbs and all the wisdom literature, which Psalm 1 is one of them, there's two ways, the way of wisdom and righteousness or the way of wicked fools. We can move on actually to the prophets. Uh, they, they're actually constantly calling Israel and saying, look, you're choosing the wrong way. You're, you're not walking in the way that the Lord has called you to. Remember Moses told us that there was life and death, blessings and cursing. You keep choosing the wrong way. Isaiah promises to the people of God that if we will walk in faith with God, if we will embrace God's way by faith, he gives us this promise in Isaiah 30, uh, 21. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. See, the phrase is from a long time before our day, and the prophets constantly call us that. When you come to the New Testament, Jesus, in a very famous passage, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, this is the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. But, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And the word road is the exact same word as the word for uh, the way or the path. It's the, the Greek word hados is what's used in Psalm 1. It just means a way or a road or a path. And Jesus says there's two ways, just like Back in Psalm 1, there's two ways that lie before you. And make no mistake, one ends up in destruction and one ends up in life. One ends up in cursing, one ends up in blessing. But it's a, it's a broad way in one, and many people run down it. It's a small way in the other. And in fact, what's interesting is this is so deep within the biblical literature that early Christians were actually called followers of the way. Before we were known as Christians, that's what we were actually called. I'll just show a couple of verses in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 9, again, this is four chapters before the word Christian is first ever introduced. We read about Saul of Tarsus, that meanwhile Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might bind them up and take them to Jerusalem. So notice, that was what they call it. I want to go and I want to find this group that you and I would refer to as Christians, the disciples of Jesus. But what they're called by is they are the way. That's what they are. Uh, Acts 24, 14 says the same thing. This is Paul, who's now converted, and instead of trying to kill the followers of the way, Paul says this, however, I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe uh, everything that agrees with the law and is written in the prophets. What's interesting is this title is used for Christians five times in the book of Acts. It's the most common way that Christians are actually called in the book of Acts is that we are the way, we are followers of the way. And so in one of the earliest, it may be the earliest post-New Testament writing we possess is what's known as the Didache. It's very, very early. 
And the book, the Didache, which is the Greek word that means the teaching, and it's called the teaching of the Twelve, kind of trying to be a summary of early Christian teaching. Didache 1.1 begins this way. This is how the whole book begins. There are two ways, one of life and one of death, and there is a great difference between the two ways. So this is a summary. Now, I've gone through and taken time to do this because, let me be clear, our culture hates such clear distinctions. No, 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 no. There's many ways. No, there are two ways. No, no, there's not that big a difference. Well, heaven and hell is a pretty big difference. Life and death is about as big as it gets to be. Blessing and cursing. God watching over you and God crushing and destroying your path. That's a pretty big difference. And the scripture, this is not a minor thing. The scripture is replete with this so that early Christians, that's what they were known as. They're the followers of the way. This is the way they thought. Now the interesting thing is that idea was no more popular in the first century than it is now. We have never been at a time that more parallels the days of the early church than we are right now. We have gone full circle. We are right back in first century Greco-Roman culture in so many different ways, which should actually be encouraging for you and I because you know what? You may look and say, you know what? I, I fear for the faith. We've already survived this time. We've already fought this battle. We've already won this battle. All of that stuff went away, but God's people still stand. Friends, cling to that. Hold on to that because it is the truth. Now, so as we look at that, it's so important for us to understand it. Now, what I want to do is I want to say, okay, so the Scripture says this is important. Our culture doesn't like hearing it, but I want to contrast the two ways. This week is just kind of an introduction. We're going to talk a little bit more as we move through about what it means and how we do it. But Psalm 1 is trying to lay out before us and say, you need to understand there are these two ways and they could not be more different. So put everything into making sure as you stand at the fork in the road, you pick the right path to walk. Notice the contrast. Number one, there's the way of blessing and the way of perishing. As I mentioned, if you look in Psalm 1, the very first word is blessed, and the very last word is perish. It's what's known as an inclusio. It's kind of the beginning and the end. But it's not only that. In the Hebrew, the word blessed begins with aleph, which is the first uh, letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And in Hebrew, you, you can turn a verb, which is what perishing is, you can attach prefixes and suffixes to it. And they did that. They attached a prefix to make sure that the word perish starts with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The writer is saying, this is how far apart these two are. It's the first word of the psalm and the last word of the psalm. And in fact, it's the first letter of the alphabet and the last letter of the alphabet. These two ways could not be more different. They are as far apart as A and Z. They are as far apart as the first and the last. They are as far apart as blessing and perishing. Make no mistake, the two ways are completely different from one another. Secondly, one is the way of righteousness. One is the way of wickedness. Notice again, Psalm 1 begins with, Blessed is the man. And then we're told in verse 6 at the end, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. 
this path that we're talking about, the blessed man walks on the path of the righteous. The other way is the way of the wicked. But it's not just that we've got these two paths. Notice we're told right off in verse 1 that the blessed man specifically avoids the path of the wicked. He does not want to walk down that path. We're told, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. He does not walk there. He does not stand there. He does not sit there. And it's a variety of distinctions because he's trying to say there is an utter distinction and separation. He realizes there are these two paths. And he's not going to say, well, it doesn't really matter. They're really the same thing. They both end up at the same place. No, the person says, I am not going down that path because I realize it is a path of destruction. And this is critical for us because, again, our culture loves to print t-shirts and say, this is the way. But when you come and say, there is a way, and you either walk the way of life or the way of death, we don't like hearing that. But hear me, friends, to be a follower of Jesus means we do not walk the way of the world. We simply cannot walk the way of the world. And this is critical because the third point of contrast is the two ways are the ways of the few and the way of the many. Notice in verse 1 we read, blessed is the man. Now, some of our translations today says blessed are those. Here's the problem with that. The Hebrew is singular. And throughout the entire psalm, the, the blessed man, the righteous person, is always singular. While the sinners, the wicked, and the mockers are always plural, always in the psalm. Also notice the blessed man is called the righteous. That's the only term that's used for him. The the other people, the ones walking the other path, are referred to as the wicked, sinners, and mockers. And those terms are reused later in the psalm. But he's trying to say, look, there's the righteous, and then there's all these multiplicity of ways of referring to the other. Because it is setting up a picture that, look, this is, Like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, there is a small road that only a few people walk down. And then there is a broad path that many walk down. But don't be suckered into taking the broad path because so many people are walking down it. It's the path that leads to destruction. Psalm 1 is teaching exactly the same thing. To walk the way of righteousness requires a willingness to walk apart from the crowd. But the message of Psalm 1 and 2, and I'm going to develop this more in coming weeks, is make no mistake about it, Jesus is better than a thousand companions. It is better to walk down a path that feels like a lonely path and be walking with Jesus than it is to walk down the path where it's full of applause and it is easy and everybody is at your back, but it's actually the path that ends in hell. And Psalm 1 is laying out, you need to understand that about the the ways. It seems like when you're on the, the correct way, the blessed way, it seems like you're there by yourself. But there are many on the other path. So then it tells us that there's a big difference. Now, because if 
with what I've said so far, the obvious question is, well, then why would I want to walk down that path? I mean, if it's going to be difficult, why walk down the path? That's the question they keep asking the Mandalorian. Why do you keep doing this? Well, this is the way. Why would you care? Well, because the psalm tells us the one path is a way of stability and fruitfulness. The other one is the, the way of instability and barrenness. Notice in verses 3 and 4, he is like a tree, this is the blessed man, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. And I actually love, as I was reading this week, I was, I was reading it in Hebrew and then also reading the Greek translation. And in the Greek translation, they actually said, not so the wicked, not so. They, they repeat it because they're trying to say, this is what's so critical. This is what's so essential to see. I'm describing the blessed man as being this tree that is planted. I'm telling you the wicked could not be more different. They are not a planted tree. They are nothing but chaff that the wind blows away. The tree is there by abundant waters, and this is dry chaff. And if you've ever been in the Middle Eastern region where this is written, I saw it so clearly when we were in Egypt. If you are by the river Nile, it is green and it is lush. And in fact, Egypt was the breadbasket of the ancient world as long as you are by the rivers of the Nile. You go about a mile away and it looks like the Martian landscape. I mean, you know, maybe the rover's actually just a mile away from the river Nile over there right now because that's exactly what it looks like it is barren and it is desolate because if there is not the water, you don't survive. And the psalmist is saying, look, if you are on the right path, you are a tree and you are planted by rivers of water and they are ever flowing and they are feeding. And if you're not, you are like chaff and it's dry and the wind comes and you are simply blown away. The tree is fruitful. What is chaff? It's the stuff left over when you beat the weed out, and it's the stuff that comes off and is no good. It just blows away. You want it gone. It is of no use at all. So it is the way of godly prosperity versus the way of inconsequential results. And so the psalmist is saying, true blessing is found in the way of the Lord, while the way of the wicked leads only to futility. Now let me say, when you're dealing with wisdom literature, it's not saying in every single case it comes out this way, but it is describing a pattern. And one of the things that's so heartbreaking, I'm doing a lot of reading of certain aspects of our culture right now, and the more our culture is embracing foolishness and is ignoring the limits that God set that we just looked at in the last series, the fruit we are reaping is horrific. Do you know what the, the increased incidence of suicide among teenagers is astounding over the last 10 years? And it is the worst for young teenage girls. And it is because when you embrace idiotic ideas like our culture is, and you say, I want the path of the wicked, make no mistake, there is a consequence to that choice. And we're actually seeing it. It's what the psalm is telling us right now. 
those who reject the ways of God become increasingly unstable and unfruitful over time. And then it's summarized with the psalmist saying, this is the way of life and the way of death. Again, notice in verses 5 and 6, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So they, they have no place in the congregation of God's people, and they're not going to stand in the judgment. Now, in the first place, this meant in a righteously ordered society in ancient Israel, they wouldn't be standing in the gate with the elders getting to make judgment. But make no mistake, that's not ultimately the judgment that's being talked about. It is saying that if you choose to walk the broad way, or if you choose to say there really aren't just these two ways, if you choose to enter down that path, that's exactly what Jesus points out in Matthew chapter 7. The way of the wicked leads to eternal punishment. They will not survive the judgment. They will not make it through the judgment. Jesus is explicit about this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 27, and he says this is about the eternal judgment seat of God. John the Baptist actually said the same thing. If you remember when the Pharisees sent to him and he spoke and he said, look, Messiah is coming and he's going to come with an unquenchable fire and he's going to burn up the chaff. Right back to Psalm 1. And saying, and it's warning these Pharisees who thought they were doing something, you're actually on the path you think you're not on. You think you're walking the path of the righteous, but you're actually not walking the path of the righteous. And I'll come back in just a moment to why, and we're going to develop it in an entire teaching. But today I wanted us to do, we're going to, we're going to turn to applying the word, and I want us to see as we begin this series, do we see the reality of the two ways? Now, I've belabored this because our culture tells you every day and every way you can't believe that. Don't, don't be so narrow-minded, okay? It's not narrow-minded if it's true. It's not narrow-minded to say if you jump off the Grand Canyon cliff, you're going to die. That's not narrow-minded. It's fact. And there are two ways that lie before us. And it is utter deadly folly to think anything else. And again, this is really an extension. As we're thinking about this, these two ways are an extension of what we've just been talking about. There is a way that comes to God and His Word and the way He has ordered creation and says, yes, Lord, certainly imperfectly, but Lord, I want to walk in your way. Lord, I embrace the limits that you have set. And there's another that says, get out of my face. I won't have that. I will decide what I want to do. My will will be done. And Psalm 1 saying, you can walk that path, but make no mistake, that path will end in destruction. And so our culture will excoriate, it will ridicule, it will ostracize those who make such clear distinctions. But the fact is, God himself makes them over and over and over again in Scripture. And so, we have to understand that these two ways are here. And so, a couple of questions in doing it. Have I been brainwashed by our culture into so much nuance that I can't see there really are two irreconcilable ways. 
There's a place for nuance, and then there's a place where it doesn't belong. And when it comes to this, and it's all paths lead to the same place, no, they do not. They do not at all. They are radically distinct from one another. Do I see that there are two irreconcilable ways? Have I proclaimed myself to be wise, but actually become a fool by denying this distinction? Because make no mistake, it's presented as wisdom, it's presented as being cultured, it's presenting as really understanding things better than the way we used to think. It's wise. It's actually utter foolishness. Do I understand that? I want to encourage you this week meditate on the two ways maybe do what i did i i spent hours and hours just reading and rereading psalm one and then some in psalm two just meditating thinking uh, lynn a few times was asking you know what, are, what you're, you're being quiet over there and i was like i'm still just meditating i'm just chewing on it i'm just rolling it around i'm just thinking about what this means and how this applies i encourage you to do it because it is so out of step with our culture you know, that's, that's again, if, you, if you've watched The Mandalorian, you've seen the guy sticks out like a sore thumb in his culture. People don't understand why he won't get along with the program, why he does things that he does and won't do other things. And friend, if you're going to walk the way of the wise, our culture is going to look at you like that constantly. And we just have to recognize our culture is foolish. That's just the way it is. Do we understand that? And it begins by just saying, no, I'm not going to compromise on this. There really are two ways. That's what there are. They're they are completely separate. And then that leads to the second question with which we'll come to the Lord's table. And that is, am I walking the way of life or the way of death? Now, in case you're wondering, let me be very clear. The two ways are not a description of how to be saved and how not to be saved. Okay. That would be salvation by works. And the whole Bible is clear that is not how we're saved. In fact, we're going to come back because it ought to come clear to you. I believe somebody did not say they would point the way, but somebody, somebody remind me who was it, said, I am the way. Friends, the way of life is Jesus. There's a reason that Psalm 2 ends with saying, blessed are all who find refuge in him. You are not blessed and I am not blessed because I've done all this perfectly. There's a reason that it is blessed is the man. Because there is only one who is truly blessed. There is only one who has truly kept the ways of God. And he's done that for you and I. So this is not salvation by works. We're not talking about how to do it. But it is a description for you and I that if you are in Jesus, if you truly are walking in him by faith, you're not going to be walking the path of the fool. You're not going to be walking the path of the wicked. See, that's exactly what the Pharisees did. We're walking the path of the wise. We're walking the path of the righteous. We're walking the path of Messiah. But when Messiah comes, we kill him which is exactly what Psalm 2 says. They're trying to figure out how to get out from under God's king. Their meditation, day and night, is how to throw off the rule of God. So this is not a description of how to be saved, but it is a description of the Christian life and what it looks like to truly be a believer, to truly have faith in Jesus Christ, 
or to be among those who are not in a relationship with God. Make no mistake, those who are truly Christians will walk in the way, and those who are walking the way of the wicked, and this is what describes my life, because the way of the wicked, ultimately, it's not about perfect obedience, but it is about when I come before God, do I have something in me that bends the knee before God? that trembles at the word of God, that embraces the kingship of Jesus Christ, or do I have something that says, I know more than God, I will stand as a judge over God's word rather than it being a judge over me, and I will decide which of God's commands I want and which ones I don't. And maybe we're full of that in our culture right now. I, I a few weeks ago, after one of the after hours, we had several people come back and kind of troll on the video because they didn't like some of the things regarding sexuality and what the Scripture teaches. And it's very clear, I think I know more than what the Bible says. I know I can actually be a Christian and reject clear biblical teaching and sexual ethics because I know better. No, you don't. And in fact, that's a pure sign you're on the path of the wicked. If I'm on the path of the righteous, will I stumble and fail? Yes, I will. But there is a difference. It's like C.S. Lewis quipped years ago, there's really only two kinds of people. Those who come to God and say, your will be done. And those to whom God has to look back and say, your will is going to be done. And friends, make no mistake, if you and I are pursuing our own will, it ends in destruction. So do we understand this and do we see this? Are you here today, I want to ask, are you truly a follower of Jesus Christ? There is no other way to be on the path of life. This is, again, our culture doesn't like this. There's got to be another way. There is no other way. He is the way, the truth, the life not one among many. He's the only way. Have you embraced him by faith? Because friends, if not, you're on the way of perishing. There is no way of blessing apart from him. And if I'm a believer, and you say I have, are we giving into the temptation? Because here's the temptation. The world will even say, okay, if you bought into all that and you're doing that, that's okay, but just walk the way with us. And we are going to have to constantly find ourselves saying to our culture, why don't you join in? I can't. This is the way. Why? Why don't you just stop doing that? Because this is the way. We don't like that. I can't help it. This is the way. And at the end, what matters to me is the pleasure of God and the companionship of Jesus Christ. Better to walk the way in Him than have a thousand companions on the way of perishing. Now what we're going to do is we're going to come to the Lord's table and this is food for the journey. This for you and for me as believers in Jesus Christ is nourishment and food to keep us going. It's also a reminder that there are the two ways because 
There is the way through Jesus Christ. And in coming to this table, make no mistake, if you participate in the table, it is a profession. I believe there are two ways. It is a profession that I believe Jesus Christ is the only way to life. I believe the gospel. I believe that I have sinned, that I have fallen short of the glory of God. And my only hope is finding refuge in the Son. I kiss the Son. And if we don't believe that, then I would urge you, don't participate. Let the table pass, because the table is a profession that I'm on the way. It's a profession that I believe Jesus Christ is my only hope. He is my source, and he is my destination, where I am going. If you do believe that, friends, I encourage you to be fed and be nourished, because, you know, as, as Pilgrim Christian learned in Pilgrim's Progress, it's a long trek. It's a long way till we come to the river, and we need to be sustained along our journey. But here's the good news. The same God that planted you by streams of water. Make no mistake, trees don't plant themselves. The same God who planted you by streams of water will nourish you, and he will keep you come what may. However dry it is out there, he will keep you so that your leaf will not wither and so that fruit will be there. There will be nourishment and sustaining throughout all the days of life. Friends, let's come to the table. For what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord Jesus, we come to this table today as your people. And we ask, Lord, we need nourishment on the way. Meet us and feed us with the only thing that can satisfy our soul, yourself. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you to go ahead, and if you've got the packet, just take the, the first little top part off, and we will take the bread together at the conclusion of this prayer. Lord Jesus, this bread is the symbol of your body because you came and you took flesh so that you could walk in the way of obedience. You could walk the way of wisdom. You were the man who did not walk in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers or uh, follow after the wicked way. You are the one who meditated day and night upon the law of God. You are the one who obeyed with your every thought, your every desire, and your every deed. And Lord, in taking this bread 
this morning. We confess not our righteousness, but yours. And taking this bread, we profess, Jesus, you are the way. Friends, take and eat. Lord, as we hold this cup, we are reminded that we have sinned. Your blood was spilled and shed and poured out, not to pay for your sins, not to pay because you had walked the path of the foolish, but because we had. But by that blood, we have been cleansed, we have been purchased, we have been sealed in the new covenant, planted within your garden, and we are now your people. Lord, we thank you that every sin we have ever committed, whether it was in our thoughts, our wandering desires, our wayward deeds, Lord, they have all been cleansed by your blood. Jesus, we do kiss you as the Son of God today, and we find our refuge in you. We say thanks be to God for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Friends, take and drink. And why don't we stand together, and I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come upon us. And I want to encourage you. There are what theologians refer to as three uses of the law. The two that are important is one, as we've just come to the table, is the law shows us our sin. And the law shows you and I, you're not the righteous man, nor am I. But Jesus is. But there is another use of the law, which is once we become part of the people of God, we don't just say, oh, I'll just walk the path of the wicked. We say, no, O Lord, I want to walk the path of the righteous. I want to walk in the steps of Jesus Christ. I want you to transform me. So what we're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do is to help us as those who recognize that we have fallen short. Oh, Jesus, every day I want to wake up and I want to kiss the sun. Every day I want to find refuge in you. Every day, Lord, I want to meditate on your word. I want to walk in your ways. I want to be a little more like Jesus tomorrow than I was today. So friends, let's cry out for the Spirit of God to come upon us and to do that in us. Holy Spirit of the living God, you are the wind that could blow us away or you are the wind that can come upon us and give us life. So Lord, we ask right now that the Spirit would blow into these temples. Lord, that you would come upon us fresh and new and as the people of God, we would walk the path of blessing. We would walk the way of the wise. Lord, we would walk in increasing, growing obedience to the word and the will of God. Lord, our minds are enlightened by your word, and we know that your way is life. We know that your way is right. We know that your way is blessing. So Holy Spirit, purify our desires. Holy Spirit, empower us 
to walk in the ways of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you would do this in us today, tomorrow, each day this week. Lord, as we walk, let us hear you as the voice behind us saying, this is the way. Walk in it. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. May God fill your life with blessing as you walk with the King this week and then go forth and be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.